Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason, still in quarantine in New Jersey, joined by John, as always, who is in New Zealand. He's abroad in New Zealand, of course. And Arlen, again, who's not abroad, but in Manhattan. Hello. Eye of the hurricane. (laughs) How's it it feel? What, being in the eye of the storm? (laughs) Yeah. I was listening to an interview earlier Bill Maher had with some guy. I don't remember who it was. And he and the whole thing that the guy was saying was like, this shouldn't be, we shouldn't judge the whole, we shouldn't alter the entire nation based on the effect of New York City. Like New York's getting it the worst by a wide, wide degree. Yeah. And everybody else is not really in that same situation. You don't have to do that public transportation. We're not all on top of each other. People have houses. It's just, you know, um, it was an interesting point. I mean, people travel in and out of New York a lot, though. It's like, how do you, like, really the question is, how do you, I don't know, how do you protect, like, one area and not other areas? I, yeah, I've thought about this. You do what Bane did. You do what Bane did. You blow up the bridges and you take control. (laughs) Blow up the bridges. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, John, you're, you're leaving. You're leaving quarantine, right? You're out. Uh, we're we're out of the hardcore quarantine, which is so funny to hear people in the states complain of like, oh, we can only. I was like, we haven't been able to order anything for like the last four weeks. <laughs> so it's like you want to talk about like lockdown, like you weren't really allowed to leave your house for the last month, but now people can finally line up and go eat fast food. People were queuing up at McDonald's at three a.m. the day that it became oh, that McDonald's reopened, which made me sad for everybody. Um. And yeah, you can order. You, you, you can order takeout. I did not go. You can order takeout. Um, so yeah, we're supposed to be in this for the next couple of weeks, and then we move into level two, which is something else. I don't know exactly what it means, but it means that I'll probably be at home for the next month working because ah, yeah, nothing. I mean, my job's not really affected. I'm still able to work. So yeah, um, it's nice. It's nice not because again, look, the same argument is here, right? You've been to New Zealand, Jason. There's some areas, especially where you went down to like Nelson. Like there's like no one that lives down there. And so those people are kind of like, hey, we've never had a case and nobody lives here. Why are we still not allowed to go do things freely? Um, because the entire country is still moving through these stages, right? So like Auckland, which has 1.4 million people, obviously got hit the hardest by this. And then all the other cities, there's places in the South Island that have, you know, more sheep than people. Mm. So they're sort of sitting around like, hey, why do we have to follow what Auckland is doing when there's never been a case here? Uh, There's never probably going to be a case here because nobody comes here. So it's similar argument, just different scales, obviously. I mean, that is a good point, you know, and I I think the thing, the problem that we're seeing now is that like the um, like the the food distribution chain is starting to break down because people can't work and because it's not safe, you know, for factory workers or, you know, meat packing plant workers to go um, do their jobs. But that also distributes out to like the entire country. So, I mean, unfortunately, like those places um, do have cases of coronavirus and like a lot of people have gotten sick. Um, work in those jobs. So it's not really the same thing, but it's like, if you do have a situation where areas have no cases at all, like they could be continuing to keep the economy running um, while areas that are really hard hit stop running. 
Um, but that's not the case here, I feel like. It doesn't seem like it. I mean, like, it just doesn't seem like it. Again, I, I think that the U.S. is going to mess this up for the rest of the world. I really do. Um, because this rush of, hey, America, we need to get back to being great again and get back to work. This will then eventually America keep strong. spreading this. It will keep spreading this across the world because whether they like it or not, the U.S. is not insulated into itself. People in the U.S. travel for business. They have family members. There's people that come and visit. And it's just the selfishness of, hey, well, you know, we need to get back to work. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's like you're sitting here. And like, look, I look at my own state where I grew up in Michigan of the Michigan militia, who is basically as, you know, as close to any sort of, you know, far right wing, almost, you know, anti-Semitic racist, you know, group of white dudes almost. in the woods. Almost. Because, have, again, the Michigan militia has always been this real obscure of like, who is the Michigan militia? Nobody really knows. All you know is it's a bunch of rednecks in the woods. You're like, wait, there's rednecks in Michigan? <laughs> Absolutely, there's rednecks in Michigan. And that's what <laughs> the Michigan militia is. It's all these guys with AR-15 sitting in the middle of, you know. There's the rednecks the- in New York. Look, if you if you have enough space, you got rednecks. This is a big it's state. The way it is. <laughs> it's a big it state. Is. Yeah, Michigan's a big state yeah. as well, right? Like, they're all, like, these are big areas where you, like, when you think of Michigan, right, you think of Detroit. Or now you think of Flint, for better or for worse. Um, but you don't ever think of, you know, the middle of the state. You don't ever think of, I mean, maybe you can think of Grand Rapids or Traverse City, but you don't ever think of Mount Pleasant or Midland, all places that I grew up playing hockey. <laughs> I've traveled at some point in my life to go play hockey. Um, yeah, you've you've been a, through the woods. It's you a bunch of white dudes there. in the woods. You got, you got the woods. Yeah. And so that's <laughs> yeah. going down that's, to the... That's, that's, that's who's going down to the capital. 99, it is. That, that's probably 90 plus percent of your state, just like New York is 90 plus percent just the woods. It is in landmass. Like I've driven absolutely. across. I've driven across the state many times. It I went is. to school in Buffalo, lived in New York, and I've been to Lake Placid at least twice. And yeah, so I've covered the entire state, and I can tell you, it is a lot of trees, there's a lot of green, and a lot of people in the woods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I've driven through <laughs> New York as well. Like, My sister went to school in upstate New York, so I've driven through New York. I've driven through through Niagara to Rochester to Albany to all of that stuff. I've been up there many times driving. It's the same as Michigan. It's a bunch of woods. So yeah, you got these people yeah. who live in the middle of nowhere who are going to go storm the Capitol with their guns, and they're going to you know dress like Call of Duty characters. And talk about they want to open up Nazi flags sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Like, like it's it's that's what you're dealing with in the states. It's a mess. So yeah, I don't I don't really know what my point was other than to point out the fact of uh, yeah, I think you're gonna mess this up for everybody else. So them to think oh well, this is only New York. That's York's why problem. because we have those people. We have we have the aggro people who want to get out. And now it's not only is it the virus's fault, it's also the Jews' fault. And I don't know how that works, but I guess it is. <laughs> It's real funny because I always think of that Dave Chappelle joke. It said, you know what? If you replaced all those white dudes with guns on the steps of Capitol and made them black, you would have banned AR-15s years ago. You want to ban <laughs> guns, just just change change the skin color of the dudes on the, on the Capitol steps. And immediately, if that was a bunch of black dudes from Detroit sitting on the steps in Lansing talking about open up the, si- open up the state again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Michigan would ban it all that mess. <laughs> no one would be carrying guns. Yeah. I think uh, Greg Proops has something similar. He's like, if you're... If you're a woman or a or a person of color, you should go to a gun store and just be like. And when they ask why you'd like to buy a gun, be like, oh, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just a little upset at how things are going right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah basically. So, 
So yeah, but we could uh, we can get away from that. I I did I did get out a little bit. I did uh, just a little update on my on my new weekend hobby. I did get out yesterday because I needed some cream cheese uh, for my um, for my cinnamon roll pancakes that I made this morning. Ooh! So that was that was somewhat successful. Probably uh, the weakest batter I've made. Uh, a little little too liquidy for my uh, for my taste, but I did follow the recipe and. I think uh, I think I'd have to disagree with that, but it it was quite good. No leftovers. Big fans in the household, so yeah. Cinnamon was this roll a, pancakes. A pancakes batter recipe from the one that you used before? Yeah, the I was so originally my plan was to use the same batter from Clinton Street mm-hmm. that I've made twice already, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. By far, best pancake batter. I think it's called Meals Pancakes. If you want to look it up, it's amazing. Um, and I was going to make that and then just put the cinnamon swirl in, but what I, but, um, because there was sugar in the cinnamon and the sugar in the batter, I'm like, oh, okay, this recipe is taking in all the components. So I didn't really want to mix it up, but in retrospect, I should have went with my gut, not use this uh, recipe because it was, you know, it was whatever. But the uh, but the yeah. comp- but you can't you know you throw some cinnamon sugar and some uh, and some cream cheese icing on something and poof it's gonna be delightful. It was like eating a cinnamon <laughs> oh, yeah. and nice. uh, yeah. So it was well, it was a graceful reduce- recovery. Good. You can always re- just reduce the sugar in the other recipe for the pancake batter if you want to use that recipe instead. True. This is true. A lot of things. I'm still learning, still learning the ropes of this stuff <laughs> at this point. I'm still just uh, covering the recipes, doing doing some squats to uh, to make sure I have the exact measurements of things. Like I'm in I'm in that kind of boat. Okay, I'm not <laughs> in the wild. Let's go crazy, mix and match, experiment phase. I am I am following every recipe to the T, pre measuring okay. stuff like on like a like a sous chef, and then uh, and then talking to an invisible wall like I'm on a cooking show. It's great. <laughs> invisible audience. Is this so the maybe most it's you've time to make like a YouTube show. <clears throat> yeah, is this the most that you've ever yeah, cooked like that. in a month span? Uh no, I cooked I cooked a bit in college, but not um in a in the last I'd say in the last uh ten years, yes. Yes. It's definitely the most of most pancakes I've made for myself in my life combined. So I'm getting, I'm getting after it. You know, I don't, I don't think, was it last week? I don't know if it was Saturday or Sunday, but I made matcha pancakes as well. Ooh, I did that last weekend. That mm. sounds good. Yeah. Those, those were quite tasty. It was, they do dry out your mouth for 24 hours, but oh. otherwise they tasted great. Why is that a good <laughs> thing? Yeah. I'm, not, I don't I'm know. not confident in my ability to use matcha for anything. And we have some here and I just, I don't know what to do with I follow it. the recipe to a T. Now the matcha, out your mouth now the matcha dalgona. <laughs> yeah, but that's the only. I don't know. I don't know what that was. Again, followed the recipe to a T. That's like it was a YouTube recipe. It it was fine. Um, tasted good though. Uh-huh. And the um, I was going to say the uh, oh, but matcha dalgona. By the way, I've been making those because mm-hmm. um, they're so easy and ridiculous. And uh, even if they're stupid, they're still very easy to make and tasty. Um, <laughs> and make it make an old matcha whipped cream. Very easy, very delicious. I recommend that. Doesn't dry your mouth out for a, for a day. Okay, so it's good. Yeah, don't don't blame the matcha. Is all I'm trying to say. All right, let's not let's not go into attack mode. But have you made banana Attacking bread yet? Powder. Because that's really the question. No. I, I, I thought about it. My grandmother hates 
bananas like hates what hates who hates bananas? yeah she has an extreme hatred of bananas i don't know when they're made into a good i can imagine not liking the actual fruit itself on its own to like peel it and eat it but like when it's mushed up in the other stuff i'm I'm, because again i'm not a giant banana fan on its own but when you blend it or put it inside of a dessert who doesn't like banana banana's fine yeah yeah i don't know she's she's, weird tastes all right there's odd tastes in this household okay and I'm just saying she hates bananas. So the moment she kind of smells it or thinks about it, if I told her it was, which I wouldn't, of course, in that scenario, she'd be like, oh, no, oh, oh, it's got banana. <laughs> Something like that. She'd go into, uh, into uh, disgusted Jewish grandmother mode. <laughs> okay. Because I think- It's like me when she mentions gefilte fish. <laughs> I mean, that is also gross. Um, she likes that. Go figure. I don't know. Taste buds are weird. Yeah, but I feel like banana bread is like um, stage two quarantine. Like stage one is video call everyone you've ever met. And stage two is baked banana bread. And then stage three is home fermentation experiments. And we are firmly in stage three in this household right now. What does that mean? What does that mean? Um, well, it can mean anything from sourdough starter is like the most popular home fermentation. Oh, so you're making bread right now. Okay. No, I, we haven't made bread yet. Uh, I've made one loaf of bread with regular instant yeast, but you know what a sourdough starter is, right? I do. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, it's a little bit labor intensive because you have to mix together um, flour and water and let it sit and ferment until, and like you have to constantly like take out most of it and then feed it fresh flour and water like every day or so until you get a really established like yeast colony in your sourdough starter. And then you can start using it to leaven bread. So it's like the new quarantine activity is making your own sourdough starter or other fermentation experiments. So I think especially in the bar crowd, there's like a lot of other fermentation experiments. Greg just um, brought home a giant pineapple. And part of the reason that he brought it home. Oh, now you're talking. Yeah, so we ate most of the pineapple, but the part that you don't eat, he wanted to ferment into this beverage called tapache, which, like, I might tag him in to talk about this if you want, Um, because I don't really understand it. You just mix it with, like, some sugar and water, and you let it ferment for, I don't know, a couple of days, and he just brought me a taste of the result, and I think it's pretty gross, but... um, apparently it's That's just on its own. but this is but, but he would do this even if he wasn't in quarantine because he's always making like ingredients and tinctures and shit right i mean yes maybe but uh you know when he started doing his tapache um then he discovered that like one or two other friends from the bar industry were simultaneously also doing this so i feel like there's this kind of like collective like consciousness thing happening where it's like i can see these clear stages of lockdown like mentality you know where it's like stage one was like be in contact with everyone constantly like a million facetime and zoom calls totally overbooked stage two bake banana bread because what else are we doing stage three 
ferment shit in your kitchen. I don't know what stage four is going to be because we're clearly not there yet, but it seems like these are some some very distinct phases. I hear you. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I've not gone through all of those phases, but at some point or the other, like it's sort of trying to keep busy. Mm-hmm. And so eventually you're just like, well, I've already caught up with everyone. I don't really want to talk to everyone again. So yeah. what else can I do to keep busy? So it's just stages of finding new things to keep busy, which is not always, which again, which I think is actually pretty good. But like yeah. you said, what's the next stage? <laughs> like, like, where does this go? <laughs> and also, why are they the same stages for everyone? That's really the weird thing. Like, is it because of social media? Is it like one person baked banana bread and posted a picture and then everyone was like, ah, yes, that's what I should do. Yeah, I, I probably. I'm trying to catch fire with these pancakes, and no one, no one really seems to be uh, jumping on this thread. Seems so like maybe it's something else. Maybe there's something else at work here besides just internet and social media. It's probably Chrissy Teigen. I mean, that, that's really what I would assume. It's probably. Chrissy Teigen. She seems to be behind anything that's popular, and then she does it, and then all of a sudden, everybody's like, "Oh my god, Chrissy Teigen did it! I got to make banana bread." And then, <laughs> She's why Animal Crossing is really successful. She's why I, I would just assume it's Chrissy. Teigen, so we'll just say. <laughs> or maybe Chrissy it's the opposite. Maybe her own sourdough starter. Probably. Or maybe she's the one who's following everybody else. Maybe. Everyone. But then she has to pick something up and blow it up. She's the well, she brings so, it to the so masses. She, if she followed me, if she followed me, which she doesn't, right? And she saw that I was making matcha pancakes or like cinnamon roll pancakes, she'd be like, "Oh my god, I got to get on this pancake thing." And then she'd post the pictures, and I wouldn't get any credit, and she'd just be like, "Look what I did!" And then I'd be like, "Oh my god, pancakes! I'm all gonna, I'm gonna make crazy pancakes now." <laughs> and then that's how it starts. That's how movements start. Right. It's exactly like that. Anyway. Let's talk about some news. Um, before we get started, I should say, uh, Arlen, you haven't sent me or or you haven't sent any corrections or anything from the last couple episodes. Um, is there anything you would like to jump in and uh, chime in on? Because I know you could be very, very passionate about our uh, incorrect discussions that we have on a regular basis. Um, Gosh, there was something that I definitely made fun of you to Greg about, but I can't remember what it was now. But he was really sad that he wasn't on the last episode. Um, What were you guys talking about? Uh, I can't think off the top of my head, but I mean, I could ask him if he remembers, but he's not like right next to me. So... That's that's okay. Yeah, yeah, they're all starting to run together, so I don't even remember. I don't remember episodes anymore. Literally, the entire people people don't of April is like one day in my mind. So exactly. Well, I you have one story. I've got two. So Mm -hmm. we could just jump in with some uh, with Mm -hmm. some options for John, and and we will roll. So why why don't you start with uh, just a teaser? What's yours about? And then I'll tell you what mine are about. Or we could do it vice versa. Okay. Um, Mine is about um, adjusting your work slash home life in the coronavirus lockdown uh, through mostly through gripes. Okay. All right. So my two, we got um, attractive men 
and cannibals. So <laughs> those are your options. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> let's let's end with the cannibals here. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and let's start with Arlen's first. Let's just go in the order that you named him, basically. Okay, fair enough. Okay, go for it. Um, so mine is from the Wall Street Journal. Um, it is written by Jennifer Levitz, and it was published on April fifteenth, so a few weeks ago. And the headline is. Work from home veterans have had it with you coronavirus rookies. The pros seethe as spouses and kids invade their home office space with loud talk and ill-timed trips to the fridge. (laughs) Why do you hate this headline? I don't know. It's just like coronavirus rookies. It's like some (laughs) sort of pretentious. Can we get to that point? We've only been doing this for a month. (laughs) Well, apparently we can. Okay. So um, Greg Baker has worked from home in Kansas City, Missouri for about six years, taking inbound calls for a FedEx call center. He tackled every distraction. He unplugged the doorbell. He shut the door to the room where his teenage son's two pet birds live. He told friendly neighbors to avoid stopping by during work hours. Then came the day last month when his wife, Cindy Baker, said, Okay, Greg, I'm coming home. She is the chief external affairs officer for the Kansas City Area Transportation Authority, which told staff to work from home due to the pandemic. Quote, It's my domain, said Mr. Baker, who is 59. She's coming into my space. Much has been made of the travails of the work from home rookies as they strained to adjust over the last month. That has obs- has obscured a more frustrating adjustment unfolding in parallel, the work-from-home veterans grappling with the interlopers. Mr. Baker had to lay down some rules, including requesting that Ms. Baker wait until his breaks to use the ice machine. Quote, you would be amazed how loud it is to put ice in a cup, he says. Plenty of U.S. workers toil occasionally from their sofas, but only 5.3 Americans mostly worked from home in 2018, according to the most recent census data. Then the pandemic sent the masses home to disrupt the regulars. Stacy Hegarty has worked from home for four years and is a pro. Miss Hegarty, who is 48 years old and a curriculum designer, knows, for instance, how to set up an appropriate video conference so the laundry is not hanging up behind you. She works in the dining room, finding the home office space claustrophobic. That spot worked well until Denver schools closed due to the coronavirus sending home her husband, John Hegarty, a teacher. It's the random loud singing that happens, Miss Hegarty says of his habits. She told him, you can't just stand in the living room and sing Scooby-Doo. I'm on the phone. He recently started doing online teaching, and one of them, meaning Mr. Hegarty, needed to move into the office space. I was here first, Miss Hegarty says. Dave Wakeman has has perfected the art of staying on task while working from home in Washington, D.C. for more than a a decade. The 45-year-old business strategy consultant charts every day or charts every call and daily priority in his Moleskin planner. His partner, Catherine, an attorney who is now working from home due to the pandemic, is used to office chit chat. 
She'll just come stand right next to me and just start talking to me, Mr. Wakeman says. I'm like, hold on a sec. This is sacred space. Um, so there's just more griping about like this, negotiating. Do you know what this actually what this article is actually about? Pretty funny. This article yeah. is actually about couples working together. And I don't mean they're working yes. at the same job, but they're literally mm-hmm. in the same office, yeah. right? So they're working yes, together. Yes. And this shows that most people, when you're in a relationship, that you shouldn't work together. Because, it, it, again, most cases, right? I've got uh, one of my really good friends, co-workers, him and his wife both work for the same company I work for in the same department. And sure, for the most part, it's fine. There's times when there's some yelling and some, you know, finger pointing and some stuff leaks outside of their home and into our space. But they seem to be comfortable having these conversations, even though it might make the rest of us go, yikes, did she just say that to him? (laughs) (laughs) But I think this is what this is, right? This is most people. And again, I think most relationships work both when you spend time together and when you spend time apart. And now for the last month, all you've done is spend time together. And I think that's starting to show the small annoyances that normally you get away from for eight hours a day for five days a week, you now have had to deal with on a consistent basis, which brings up the guys like the ice machine's too loud. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> like the ice machine's too loud. Like that's a real that there's something else going on. Where just in general, it's like, hey, I need my personal space and work gave that to me. And now that we're here right next to each other, even though we're doing different jobs, all the things that maybe I didn't notice before, like I didn't notice how you actually hold a conversation at work. That's really annoying. Mm -hmm. I can't believe you talk to somebody that way. (laughs) Like that type of stuff (laughs) is going to start coming out, which is really funny to read an article where it's like, that's got nothing to do with people who've worked from home before. It's just that some people work from home by themselves. And so it's Mm -hmm. like being in an office by yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. That seems to be more of this article than anything else. It's the space thing, right? It's the space totally. thing again into that headspace. So it's like I have my workspace, I have my living space, I have my space with a significant other, space with the family, all these other things, right? Like I imagine for people who are in a one who share like a one bedroom or a studio apartment in New York, right? It's like, like bad literally enough me. That you, you have you, no, I'm talking about a studio. You're not you're not in a studio apartment. Well, but you said one if bedroom. You're in a point, I, yeah, I suppose I did say one bedroom. But at least if you're in a one bedroom, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be my room now. That's There's your room door. now. We can stay away from each other without seeing each other. A yeah, door, exactly. A screen, if you're something in a you studio, can slide over it. Yeah, if there, if I could put myself in a situation where I could spin around three, 360 degrees and not see you, that's my space now. So that's And you could do that. If you're in a studio apartment, like forget about even... You can't even have individual spaces for your work and your relaxing and whatever. It's like you are in a box. And now if you're adding another person there all the time, I really hope you like that person for an extended period of time. I mean, some people are probably doing okay, but you know, there's a reason why the divorce rate went up in China after this <laughs> and why it's probably going to go up in the U.S. just to be realistic about it. Yeah. Well, it's either or, right? Yeah. I think either you learn, either you either because again, I think I've had coworkers who have told me both sides of things, right? So I've got coworkers who have young kids, and they're just like, I can't wait for daycares to open so I can get these kids out of my house. These kids are driving me nuts, right? So like, I feel for those people. But there's other people who go, well, you, you know shitty what? I've kids. actually, I've actually really them. enjoyed. Again, it's young kids. It's like two, three, like kids that need to be that want to be played with all the time that you have to constantly entertain. But there's other people who have kids a little bit older. 
And one guy is just like, you know what? I've actually really enjoyed this. I've got, you know, my wife's here with me. I'm able to see my kids who are eight and 11. I'm able to be a bit more involved in homework than I normally am to see where they are. So it's like, it really is just depending on the person. Some people fit really well into the day to day. I go to work, grind, and I come home. Other people are finding that they don't. So I think you're going to have both. You're going to have articles that say both of these things. Some that say, oh, my God, I can't wait to get back to the office. I'm an extrovert. I need to talk to these different people. I need to go have lunch. I need to travel. I don't mind commuting on the subway anymore. You're going to see all of these think pieces. And then you're also going to have think pieces that go, you know, I've realized a lot about myself that I really enjoy being home with my family. I really enjoy it more than maybe I would have thought I did. So now I'm going to change my life. So maybe I actually spend less time at the office and do a bit more days remotely where I can sit here and talk to my kids and talk to my wife. I think it just all depends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I <clears throat> I have a friend um, here in New York who lives in Queens and he and his wife have a small child. I think she's three two or three I think she's three now um and he was working in a bar and he not only was laid off but also the bar has decided to close and not reopen um and she is a therapist and is obviously working from home now and is busier than ever um and he's discovering that he actually loves being a stay-at-home dad and loves homeschooling their kid and is really good at it right so you know that's pretty interesting yeah i, I think all of this is just bar patrons yeah, <laughs> then you can handle a three-year-old yeah yeah pretty yeah, much exactly, <laughs> that's what exactly. training for this <laughs> yeah. right right so yeah i, I just think it's a it, different kind of bottle yeah yeah i, I, I think it's just interesting because i think the world is going to change and i think you know, whether or not we all go back to our normal lives the minute that everything seems to go back to normal. But again, back to normal, the time frame of that is anywhere from next week till this time next year. Like nobody <laughs> knows, right? So it's like it's really still everyone's still up in the air. And again, I think a lot of people are going to make serious life changes. I think this has changed for a lot of people, some for the better and some for the worse, unfortunately, because I think that people are not realizing that mental health wise, this is going to do damage on a lot of people, people who've oh, lived yeah. alone people who don't have good connections with family, people who've been, you know, who are used to having all these social interactions and they're not able to have them and they feel that they're alone. So like there's, it's not just, it's just not one or the other. It's not just all families or it's not just all, oh, well, I just want to get back to work so I can start earning money to feed my kids. Like I think it's across all different types of lifestyles and different types of people that you'll start seeing this change. And again, I don't like, for me, again, my job's been pretty much the same. Um, but it does make you realize that, you know what, that daily commute for 30 minutes, you know, that's not as enjoyable as I thought it was. Um, <laughs> being at home and being able to wake up and go to the office is actually really nice. I'm actually more productive when I'm here and don't have to worry about commuting and travel and traffic. But it's just like little things like that that I think people are going to start taking stock in. Mm-hmm. I miss my commute. I have nearly 40 hours in a in a podcast backlog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but you used to play video games on your commute. Like, you played more games than anyone I knew because most of the time you were playing them on the subway. And so you didn't mind living further away from work because you saw that hour to the 40 minutes to an hour of a commute as time for you to get stuff done that you wouldn't do if you, you know, walked five minutes to your apartment. That's right. But, yeah, exactly. Not having two hands on a wheel, being able to just stand or sit somewhere and play my switch. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Although now I've just moved that time to, uh, 
seven to uh seven to nine with uh my prime with the prime time game show slots that's when i play my switch (laughs) and that's what i'll miss i think that's what i'm gonna miss most about this is uh jeopardy and wheel of fortune because there's no way in hell i'll be watching that stuff when i'm out of here (laughs) but i do enjoy it now that's and i can appreciate it nice but considering i usually get home at like 7 30 8 i just miss it you know might watch more shark tank but i play hockey on fridays Assuming hockey's still going to exist, so look, yeah. man. At this point, yeah, no, it'll be, it'll I have be no idea what's on the other side of it. I have no idea what's going to exist. Like you've, you, I, I honestly have stopped trying to guess because I really don't know. Because everyone thinks this is going to be back to normal by June, July, August, and I'm not convinced of that. I'm convinced that you're going to have this rolling in different areas of the world until there's a vaccine or until there's a shot. Brittany that you told can me she's not it. going into the office now until uh, September. Oh, wow. So that's when they're going back. And they're just going to keep yeah. pushing this. They're going to keep extending it and pushing it. And because, look, here in New Zealand, we're about to hit flu season. Right. That alone will start making people go, oh, God, is that corona or is that the flu? Like, what do you do if all of a sudden your office gets, you know, it breaks out and everyone catches the flu? Because now we've all been inside, right? So, like, all of a sudden you send a bunch of people back to work in the next month. And then you start hanging around other people again and everyone starts getting sick. Then what do you do? Right. So it's like nobody really knows what the plan is. You just have to pretty much wake up every day and look at what the rest of the world is doing and make your decisions based on that. And so if there's more people like your friend who's realized, like, you know what? I actually really enjoy being here with my daughter or with my kid, homeschooling, taking care of this. And it actually takes more stress off of my partner who is doing something that they really enjoy. I really believe that people's lives are going to start to switch um to things that they actually really care about i think you're learning what's important and what's not yeah, yeah. i think and you that's might i wonder true. if you'll find people leaving leaving the city like leaving new york realizing oh wait think they're gonna too. start opening outside yeah man i hope that happens and then stuff gets cheaper and then <laughs> well, well, well think about it though generationally i think we're probably currently the generation who has decided to move back into large cities do you think that changes with people our age going you know what Living around, I've now spent a month in my studio apartment in New York City. Don't enjoy it so much. I'd much rather live a bit further out or, you know, I can, I now have been told I can work remotely most of the time for my job. Maybe I'll move closer. Like, like for, I mean, Jason, you're a good example. Maybe if you were in that type of headspace, which you're not, but if you were someone who said, hey, you know, I live in Brooklyn in a one bedroom apartment and I really enjoyed being back home more than I thought I would, I'm going to, and I can work remotely. Maybe I'll move closer up here and try to do more remote work going forward. I think I think it's a matter of somebody asking themselves, um, is this going is the question if this happens again or when this happens again? And depending on how well you get through this will depend on. But that's the thing. I think everybody will look at that in a different way. So if you say if I'm an if, then I would say, yeah, I'm going to stay in the city. Everything's fine. If I'm a when, then I'd be like. I don't want to deal with this shit every time this happens, being in the city, being locked in a box. Mm-hmm. But I also think that equation changes if you have family or if you're single or if you don't have kids, like that all changes as well. Like if I was in this situation, if I was in, if, if I was in a one bedroom with a, with a kid, which a lot of, that's a lot of situations in the city. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, um, maybe we consider the burbs. You know, you get a little bit more space. I have that that space that I could look around. I could walk outside in a yard and, uh, you know, breathe a little bit and or, uh, or throw the kid out there. And we could we could have the house for a minute. You know, things there's options. Whereas when you're in your box in the city, there's minimal options when nothing's open outside and people will just look at you funny the second you step foot outside. 
Yeah, there's so, just no options. A lot of variables. Yeah, I've been. But I would imagine families are probably going to really reconsider this. Yeah, their arrangement in the city now. I've been really thinking a lot about this lately because I just, you know, I know. Uh, Tap it out. Well, just in general, like the value of like what space you have versus like where you where you live geographically, and you know, I'm very envious of all of the people that I know who I'm friends with on social media who've left the city and are posting pictures from like you know the middle of nowhere and like whatever state their you know family lives in that they can go be in, and we don't have that, and um you know, being stuck here is pretty rough a lot of the time, because if you do want to go outside and it's a sunny day, there's just a ton of people out, you know, this neighborhood, especially in Washington Heights is very populated. It's very densely populated. And I think most of that population also didn't have anywhere to run away to either. So, you know, we're all still here. Um, And so... Yeah, I mean, I was talking to another friend recently who said she was watching some funny video about like the advice of like what to do in the lockdown. And it's just all contradictory. It's like, you should stay inside, but you should also take a walk for an hour a day, but stay away from people, you know, (laughs) and it's like, that's impossible. Right. You just can't do that here. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, once this is uh, once we're done with this, I'm gonna go and go for a walk. But I can, but I can because there's plenty of space. Right, and I can do that. I can't do that. Uh, and a gated community. What's gonna happen? And you guess know, what? The other- I could outrun the old people here <laughs> if I need to. Yeah, and the other thing too close. <laughs> the other thing that concerns me is what happens in the summer. You know, um, when everyone's running their air conditioner twenty four seven, we're gonna have definitely going to have rolling blackouts for sure. And that's going to be super miserable. Um, well, the warm weather is going to kill this. It's going to knock it out. That's what, but now we've discovered that it's not. <laughs> so. I know. I know. I know. Well, just, well, just remember my, this, uh, this hit here in the, like the middle of summer was when it yeah. hit this part of the world. I mean, it was the middle of, I mean, and again, it also hit in areas that are always hot Thailand, yeah. Singapore, right? Like that's in the like pretty much summer all the time in Singapore. Jason, you were there. Singapore is one of the hottest and stickiest places I've ever oh been. Oh my god, me too. Yep, it's rough, absolutely. And that the virus—they just no, had Singapore to lock down worse. the city again because they thought they killed it. They reduced the lockdown. It spiked back up. They closed it again. So the second wave is a very real thing. And just yeah. because it's summer and that you know that ultra light, you know, you go outside with your with your mouth open, let, letting the sun hit it. Yep. Let that sunlight hit the body. Uh, you just, just got to you, angle you, your <laughs> mouth towards the sun so that you're not blocking it with your hand when you're pouring the bleach down your mouth. Yes. So then, like, even, then even if you gone. do all that, doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to be cured like you're, you're and this good. won't be a problem. Look, you won't have coronavirus. You won't have anything. Yeah. But you, but you won't have coronavirus. The ultimate right, cure for uh, everything. Let's, <laughs> right. let's move on to the next story here. Let's talk about what did I say this was? I don't remember how I framed it. Something about some uh, handsome men or sexy men. It yeah. doesn't matter. All right. Um, this is a story about New York, about our about the Cuomo brothers, reported by the Toronto Sun. So here we go. Cuomo brothers, and the only reason I'm reading from this source is that it's the it's the most to the point versus any other article I've read about it. So here we go. 
Cuomo brothers are more desired than Jonas brothers. New York city matchmaker says, <laughs> can it be true? New York state governor, Andrew Cuomo and CNN journalist, Chris Cuomo, who recently recovered from the coronavirus may be powerful in their respective careers, but they're also making the ladies on New York city weak in the knees too. This is a creepy article. I should have read it first. Anyway, so says U.S.-based professional matchmaker Maureen Tara Nelson, who declares the two the two bros are quote more desired end quote than the Jonas Brothers. In we a survey conducted Maureen, by the, by the way, like over over under the age of a Maureen, oh, you know this woman's old, right? She is. This woman is older than Paul Giamatti by far, and she's been <laughs> running this I'm business asking. for like, a just, while. Just like what's over yeah, under? Yeah, yeah. What would you set over under at at someone whose name is Maureen? Oh, she's like at least 50, 60. 60? Mid 50s. 60. <laughs> oh, so 50, right? Over if 50. Yeah, if you're if you're Maureen, if you're 50, then you were then you were named Maureen in 1970. So I guess I could see it. I could see yeah, it. Yeah, 50. That's the bar. That's the okay. bar. All right. Sorry, continue. <laughs> oh, all right. No, it's it's worth it's a worthy stop. Um so yeah, in a survey conducted by the relationship coach, hundreds of women have said have said, find me someone like that, meaning the two ruggedly good-looking guys. And while the CNN anchor is happily married, his older brother is not, and is considered the state's most high-profile bachelor. I'll bet a tad busy for romance at the moment. This is a trashy website. I love it. Quote, (laughs) with one billion people across the world now confined to their homes, they are still looking for love. And quote, says Nelson of mtnmatchmaking.com. An award-winning executive executive certified matchmaker who has found love for tens of thousands of singles in her 25 years of experience. Quote, and top of their list is our New York State's governor, Andrew Cuomo, and CNN's Chris Cuomo, end quote. To wrap out this article, Nelson says, quote, women in quarantine are setting their standards very high, but I think under these stressful circumstances, women want a strong take charge kind of guy, like the governor and someone who can live in a basement for three weeks and still look buff, end quote. And she's definitely referring to Chris on that side. <laughs> that's the end of the article. Now, what this article doesn't go into is that there was an exchange in one of the press conferences um, uh, where someone was like, oh, so you're, um, so, so like, does that mean you're eligible? He's like, yeah, I guess so. And he's like, I'm eligible. He's like, my brother's not, but, but I am. Uh, so, wow. so yeah, I guess, uh, I guess a- a- Andrew's looking for love. Okay. <laughs> like, so, so, wow. Yeah. Look, man, I don't, I gotta say, like, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like these. Like if if anyone's has won this virus, which is an awful thing to say, but if anyone has come out better with the result of this thing, it is the governor of New York. It is Andrew Cuomo because most people didn't even know who he was, other than the fact that oh yeah yeah Chris Cuomo's brother is the governor. But like the fact that this dude has gotten this praise for being sort of the anti-establishment against Trump as far as I'm in a giant city that's got the most of this virus and here's how I'm handling this versus the way that your president is handling this. It's him, right? There's mm-hmm. nobody else. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think this would get better, but here here's some more uh it's a reading from Syracuse.com. Here's the quote from the so no sorry, not the quote first I'll give a little lead in. 1010 Wins Radio host Susan Richards asked the governor about Nelson's annual survey of 2,000 female clients on Thursday, and he admitted that he's available. Quote, 
Well, Susan, I did not I did not see that. But now that you raised that about most wanted eligibility, my brother is married. I am not married, so I don't think he would quali- qualify as eligible. However, I am eligible. End quote. Uh, but then it goes on and says several celebrities have recently said they have the hots for Cuomo, calling themselves Cuomo sexual. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> Jada Jada Pinkett Smith called him her celebrity crush. That's unusual since she's still married to Will, right? Yeah. Yeah. And these are just people <laughs> trying to celebrity, just, right? Again, it's people trying to find someone who's not Trump and who's not Joe Biden. <laughs> That's yeah. what they're trying to do. Yeah. Well, there's that guy's whole, that guy's tough to crush on. Yeah, there's been a whole um uh hashtag um what is it? Uh homosexual. No, not Cuomo sexual. I have seen that draft Cuomo. That's what it is. Hashtag draft Cuomo as the new president, Um, like to draft him to run for president. So just like write in his name. Yeah, you haven't seen this. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, don't do that, everyone. (laughs) I'm not. Don't do that. But I'm just saying it's interesting that that's a thing. No, he's got a no. Hang out. He said many times that he doesn't want to run, and I hope he. And I think now he means that he's not going to run. He's. They're not. Yeah, they they got to stay out of the way, Joe. It's Joe's show. Do let him do his thing. Justin Amash, you sit the fuck down. I know you want. I know you're exploring <laughs> running as a third party. No, sit down. Go away. No one's going to vote for you. Um, yeah. Also, Chris Cuomo got a haircut. I don't like it. It's bad. Um, he, he he's a coward. He should have let it grow out. Own the curls, Chris. <laughs> um, I'm owning my hair. It's a it's a complete disaster. But God damn it, I'm I'm riding this thing out. I've started something and I'm gonna finish it. Um, mm. So yeah, so, I trimmed my. So own that's hair about uh, quarantine. <laughs> well, how did that go? It went. Very oh, I saw well. the, I saw the picture on Instagram. It, it worked. Yeah, it worked well. I'm just yeah. saying, I, Chris Cuomo, you know, he's he's yeah. he's very identifiable. Those curls, you know, and now they're gone. He's got basically my haircut and I hate it. I don't like it. Where's the identity, Chris? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, on, I'm on three years of no haircut, so I've just rolled into this thing as normal. <laughs> three years of not getting your haircut? Wow. Three years. That's three crazy. years. My hair is down to, yeah, my hair is down to mid shoulder length at this point. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So if anything, I'm, I'm my three year anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks. Oh my god! Wow. So, yeah. I need a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to send one because it's uh Yeah, it's grown very quickly. So nice. I, this is my last hurrah before the the male pattern baldness starts to sneak in at some point in my life, and then that's when <laughs> you just shave it all off. You just come on home. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, but look, out of all the people we're talking about hair, I mean, Greg, right? Greg is the one that. Has consistently. I mean, it's as long as I've known Greg, Greg has had some of the most beautiful hair I've ever seen on any human being, <laughs> man or woman or child. His hair is gorgeous. <laughs> so it's true. he does have very enviable hair. He currently will not let me trim it, but I think we're getting we're getting there. I've getting trimmed close. it before, no. by the way. Don't, so it's don't, not don't like do it. he doesn't don't trust cave. me. And also just, I trimmed my own let it go. hair. So <laughs> don't don't cave in well he, ha- keep it growing. he also don't, doesn't don't shave very often don't shave don't cut the hair just own it and we're all going to come out better for it 
You know, if you don't, if you don't yeah. do it now, well, Greg has grown a mustache. When, when will you ever? Greg's grown just a mustache. No, he also <laughs> he also is has that an a ability beard, thing, or is that an he, intentional thing? Uh, it's a laziness thing. <laughs> but he usually shaves the mustache part because it doesn't really grow in very thickly. But like, he just decided to like let it grow and see like if it would create a real mustache, which it has. I think it's cute. He's on the fence about it, so. Yeah, well, for me, the the mustache and the beard, they're growing in strong. <laughs> the um, the sides of the face. The Sorry. <laughs> if I if I did if I did nothing to the side and I just let it grow out, like it it would often grow out in like old like old patches there. But the um, but I, you know, it's starting to fill out a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see how this goes in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the moment this quarantine's lifted, I am shaving this thing off, and it'll be it'll be a liberation. It's you at least have to take a picture first, though. You got to take yes. a picture for sure. For, for history, because sure, I've never seen you with any facial hair or hair longer than what you normally have. I've never seen it. Here, I'll. Um, the I'll longest hair I've ever right seen from now. you is is the ten ten cut. <laughs> that's not even that wasn't long either. That, that's that that's my point. Style. That's my point. I haven't seen anything yeah. longer than that. that so. That's what that's what Chris Cuomo's got right now. Mm. It's going full ten ten. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need oh, pictures, sure. obviously, of all these things. That's what I, I aspire to be like, Tintin or Snowy. <laughs> um, okay, last story. I'm actually going to roll this right into uh, our reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish, unless there was anything political that you really wanted to no, talk about, Arlen. Let's do it. No, I don't have anything. All right. Amazing. Here we go. Ready? We're talking about cannibals. <laughs> Reading from The Independent. Alex Jones says he'd kill and cook his neighbors to feed his kids. (laughs) (laughs) What? Subtitle. He has a few years worth of food stored away to get through first. (laughs) Arlen, you're you're familiar with Alex Jones, right? You know what that is? Yes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That is great. (laughs) (laughs) What that is. (laughs) Fantastic. You said what that is. Fair enough. Close enough. Um, In... I mean, it's a character, I guess. It's not a character. That's real. I hate that I'm like looking at this article and right next to it is a banner ad that says how to easily clean earwax. And it's just a picture of this thing and wedged in this guy's ear. And I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Um, yeah. Uh, here we go. Reading from the article. In an unhinged rant on his InfoWars radio show, notorious conspiracy theorist Alex Jones described in detail how he would kill and eat his neighbors to feed his children. In segment, in a segment from his 28th of April, goddamn you, independent, and your UK phrase, like, ordering of dates. In his April 28th, fixed it for you, show, mission accomplished, with an exclamation point, coronavirus panic triggers global collapse. That's the whole title. The coronavirus radio host said, quote, you know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death yet. Death. I'll eat my neighbors. End quote. (laughs) He then explains in graphic detail how he would go about doing so. A one minute long segment of the show was posted to Twitter by Jones's ex-wife, Kelly Jones. You know, I know a dude named Kelly Jones. That's that's fun. With whom with whom he has battled in court for custody of their three children. Miss Jones tweeted, quote, this is my ex-husband, Alex Jones, graphically describing how he'll kill his neighbors to feed my kids. Homicidal, terrifying, end quote. Quote, I lost my kids for tweeting about injustice. 
This is unjust to my kids. This is a mom's worst nightmare. Court must act, she end quote, she added, before asking for retweets to further her cause. The Joneses divorced in March 2015, and in 2017, Miss Jones sought sole or joint custody of the children due to her husband's behavior. He has a history of wild conspiracy theories and on-air rants. Miss Jones says that he is, quote, not a stable person, end quote. Um, yeah, then it doesn't really get far into the the actual details of how he's going to kill people and all that. Um, oh, in Tuesday's show, Mr. Jones clarified that he would starve to death before resorting to cannibalism, but that his children are his weak spot. Having said for the courts, <laughs> okay, I'm not eating he nobody, joking, but they will be. <laughs> wow. Yeah, having said quote for the courts and quote that he is joking and isn't going to eat anybody. He later adds quote Oh, I'm a I'm a performance artist, like they say. Alex Jones isn't real. Everybody knows I'm as fake as they come. End quote. Or Mr. Jones, to be serious, there is some solace for his neighbors. He only sees a 60% chance of the kind of collapse of society that might lead him to, quote, chop him up, end quote. And he has a few years worth of food stored away to get through first. Wow, only wow. 60%. That's his odds. <laughs> 60%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a 60% chance that it's going to happen. I mean, that's that's better than a coin toss. That's pretty wild. I mean, sounds Jones, legit to me. <laughs> you, you think you'd call Joe Rogan for some tips on how to like roast a human leg? <laughs> <laughs> or they, they'd, yeah, they'd have a large discussion. They'd, they'd, they'd have Broper on there <laughs> to, to, to talk about how do you cook humans. Um, but again, Joe, I got this meat. Again, what do I do? With he's not eating it. He's feeding it to his kids, <laughs> which is even. Well, I think it's for all of them, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the question. Yeah. But if he doesn't eat it and he's on the brink of starving, who's going to provide for the kids? Well, so in this situation, the kids, he so would have to have end, some as well. He's fattening up the kids. So that way at the end, he's got a source. That's fair. Oh, oh, that is dark. So you're yeah, saying, I mean, look, but this is what his wife is saying, right? I mean, and good on her for basically being like, I'm in a custody battle. This clown is just feeding me ammo <laughs> so for me to win this. All it's I have to do is just play his. Though. How is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why play this? Radio. Why is this? Yeah. Why is this it, though? Like, this guy is a complete lunatic. Well, again, you got years and years of basically you go into court and don't say anything and just hit play and say, judge, let me know when you like for me to stop, please. <laughs> and you just play it. Yeah. There's going to be that person in the jury box. Be like, mm, I don't know. He's making some good points. There's not a jury in custody cases, first of all. <laughs> just the judge <laughs> So just FYI. Right, fair no enough. jury. He's not all on, right, he's not on criminal trial never, yet. Yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've never, I've never been in one. Didn't Neither have I, were. but you know. <laughs> I mean, there are civil trials too, but yeah, I think you're right. I don't think that there, I don't think there's a jury situation in a custody battle. There is a, but the judge could always be like, mm, yep, he's making some good points. I watch Big Daddy. Been that's that. my, that's all my reference for, for, for custody trials. You watch what? <laughs> oh yeah. The, the, the Adam, Daddy, Sandler the Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> Where he was oh, trying to get custody of this kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So maybe it's a lot like that. I would assume so, just right? Just got to make a bunch of passionate speeches. But he still lost the kid at the end. He did lose Spoiler the kid. But you know, he still got to see the kid every once in a while. So there you go. Yeah. And then he made another one. That's how yeah. it worked. Yeah. Life. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. Good movie. Fun movie. John Stewart. He gets the kid at the end. <laughs> yeah. Just spoiling this whole movie for you. I have It's a weird movie. It. You know? You got the usual cast of Adam Sandler characters. And um, who's that guy's name? He's in it. 
Anyway. But look, I'm, um, I'm not surprised that Alex movie. Jones is a that he's a prepper. That doesn't surprise me at all. That's like the least surprising thing you said that he's got several years worth of food stored up. That doesn't surprise me. No, of course not. Yeah. But I want to. I do want to bring up one other conspiracy theory while I'm here. What do you think of? Um, what do you think are the uh, possibilities that this virus is man-made so that everybody's inside while the government updates the, <laughs> updates the firmware on birds? <laughs> What? <laughs> Wait, did you say on birds? Sure did. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the animals that fly around? Well, here's the thing. They're not animals. <laughs> That's my favorite one yet. <laughs> I was not expecting you to go there at all. I was not. I was expecting you to go to 5G yeah. or Bell Towers or something, but I did not expect you caught me off guard there with the with the, the bird firmware. I love I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. Birds aren't real. Birds are actually surveillance drones used by the government. So like all the real birds died out like a long time ago and they've been replaced by drones. Hmm. So now this is the big cover-up so they can update the firmware while we're all inside and not paying attention. Okay. I'd watch that movie, yeah. by the way. Okay. Where like, um, the firmware gets corrupted he- and the birds start attacking. <laughs> and it's, I'm totally down for that animal revolution. They're all, they're all mechanical, fake animals. I'm totally down for that movie. I wish I was smart enough or clever enough to make something up, something like that up. This is a real conspiracy <laughs> theory. And um, you could buy merch at birdsaren'treal.com. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. I kind of want a shirt that says birds aren't real just because it makes no sense. <laughs> you could get a, yeah, you could get, there's a bird watching tea, which is a, uh, which shows a bird with binoculars. So that's cute. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of great stuff here, but you know, I, I, hey, who knows? Might be true. Okay, no. <laughs> Might here's not be a, true. Here's a question. Here's a question. No, listen to you. Having an open mind. Okay. Jesus. Are are chickens not birds? They're birds, they, but they're they, are. Uh, they don't fly. So yeah. they um chickens would be a terrible surveillance drone. They can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they stare at the ground, peck at the ground. Like what? Are you All are you I'm trying to debunk is, this conspiracy theory or strengthen it? Like, come on, what are you doing here? All I'm saying is we eat a lot of birds, right? So if they're drones, wouldn't we know it if we like cut them open to eat them and there's like a drone well, the there's last, like a well, surveillance question, thing inside? When's the last time you cut open a real chicken? It's been like like with feathers and all, right? I've seen the package and I've seen the full bird that's unplucked. But I haven't actually, I personally haven't actually like de-feathered and de-boned a chicken before. So I don't really know. Oh, here's, here's a, That's fair. It's a better question. When was the last time you ate a, when was the last time you ate a pigeon? All right. Uh, you think, you think people are going around eating pigeons? No, they're all, they're all a bunch of robot spies. They are in Crown Heights. Bird things. I've seen that story many times. <laughs> well, those are chickens. They're not pigeons. They're, oh wait, someone's ate a pigeon? I told you the story, didn't I? When I lived in Crown Heights. You might have. It was on one of my first well weeks well. living in New York City. And again, this is someone who lived oh, yes. in Michigan did, and then lived in Georgia. And I'm walking down to the to the Crown Heights Utica Avenue station. 
the the four three line that all sort of combines at the end in Brooklyn. And there's this woman who's got a nightgown and slippers on and a black plastic bag, and she's moving very slowly. And then the next thing I know, she she basically takes this bag, swoops up a pigeon, and walks off. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I was like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I live in New York City, and I just watched a grown woman at 7.30 in the morning snatch a pigeon from the ground. It was crazy. <laughs> that's how uh, That's how Shaun of the Dead starts. Does it? It's one of the opening shots of that movie. Really? Yeah, there's an opening shot of the movie where a dude just like swoops down, grabs a bird, and just like bites its head off. Ooh. I don't remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that well, either. But it's been it's a, a while movie. since I've seen it. So oh, if you go to birdsaren'treal.com, <laughs> this is great. Oh, you're looking at the website. Yeah, if you go to the history, you can look at the um, the detailed explanation on why this is happening, and it's broken up into chapters. <laughs> I mean, we we could probably spend a whole episode talking about this because it is long. Like, it is, there's a lot of information. This is here, amazing. So, we might have to um, revisit this um, because I might buy. Yeah, some yeah. Merch. Happy to. <laughs> happy to go down. Go down the rabbit hole. We could report on this uh, whenever you all feel right. like. Well, it, let's, come this this. Let's, let's, let's come back. Conspiracy is not going away. All right. Well, enough of all that. Um, Let's go over to some media therapy, wrap this thing up. Uh, let's start with a question. I don't think I asked this question, which is uh, which is surprising to me because it's so obvious. Um, but let's do this. Who's older? Brad Pitt or Paul Giamatti? Oh, for Paul Giamatti's sake, I really hope he's older than Brad Pitt because if not, Paul Giamatti is in rough shape. <laughs> um... So I'm going to say Brad, I'm going to say Paul Giamatti's older than Brad Pitt just for his own sake. Yeah, but Brad Pitt looks great. He, that's yeah. my point. <laughs> <laughs> I also think Paul Giamatti's older. Okay. Buckle up. Brad Pitt is older than oh, Paul Giamatti oh, by, oh, by, oh, by four big. years. He's wow. four years older than Paul Giamatti. Significantly oh. older. Oh, that one stings, Paul. I'm sorry, buddy. Oh, that one's rough. <laughs> Because, like, I can get, like, I'm Denzel seeing, seeing, and some of these yeah. other guys, but, like, oh, Paul, like, he got beat out by Brad Pitt, man. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. I'm telling you, man, he's got Paul, – Paul Giamatti, I saw him in the uh, in these Billions ads, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I can see him beca- turning this around and turning into, like, some sort of interesting action star. No one's ever tried it. No one's ever tried it. Give me a shot. Give me a shot. I'll write, I'll write an action script around Paul Giamatti. It's going to be oh. awesome. I mean, Go Brad wasn't Brad Pitt just the, wasn't he just the doctor? Wasn't he America's doctor for SNL or something? I saw old images of that. Yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt played uh, Anthony Fauci. So Anthony Fauci said in an interview, someone's like, "Who would play you in a movie?" And he's like, "I don't know, Brad Pitt." And then Brad Pitt did it. <laughs> SNL. Oh, Paul. which is amazing. Who, who say who is going to say who's going to play me in a movie? Which person is going to say Paul Giamatti? That's my guy. Me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's you it's it oh man, man it's yeah. rough i feel for him paul this is a very tough scene all right you're you're in quarantine and you're making pancakes can you manage yeah i guess thanks paul we're good oh man. i can see it oh, all right well sorry paul it. you can't win them all, <laughs> can't win them all. <laughs> yeah um so what do you what do you guys uh what kind of uh media you guys partaking in what you watching? What you playing? Well, we'll end with uh, with an update on John's Island, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could, we could get uh, 
get well let's, let's go around the horn here first yeah i have um we discovered a new show to watch which is very lovely um it's called apple and onion and it's like it's an animated show and it's on cartoon network and it's really cute um and wholesome and there's like oh just God. enough conflict in a 15 minute episode to keep you interested but you know that it's gonna end fine because like it's probably a children's show and also everyone is br- or the two main characters are british and it's an apple and an onion um this is and unsettling. it's amazing have hamburger it- friends uh, they and a have French yeah. fry friend. Everyone is food. A burrito friend. What, what <laughs> so the hell cute. is going on here? You guys have to watch it, and then we should talk about it again because it's kind of like, did you ever watch? Um, uh, did you ever watch Flight of the Concords? I have, and both those dudes are one of those dudes is I think actually both of them are from Wellington. They're from Wellington, yeah. So I love Flight of the Concords. This kind of reminds me of like if Flight of the Concords and Veggie Tales and Aqua Teen Hunger Force like became. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this looks like show. a kid's Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Kind of. It's kind of like that. It's like, yeah, it's like if Aqua Teen was Flight of the Concords, it would be Apple and Onion. So highly recommend. Oh, they sing. They sing songs. They sing songs, and it's so cute. I'm confused by the anatomy of everything in this show. Don't overthink it. Just go with it. <laughs> I okay? can't help it. I mean, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking at this burger man. Okay. <laughs> and the burger has like it it's like his face is on the bun, his arms are coming out of the patty, uh, his shoes are coming out of the lower bun, and I'm and there's lettuce and something else. I guess that's mustard. <laughs> In between, like separating the lower part, like this is very strange. Look, don't like the same thing. It. Same thing with this hot dog man. Like I would assume this hot dog man, like he's like the bun is his jacket, but like he he looks like One Piece. That's not as crazy as this. You know what? It's just the burger guy. I can't get over this burger man. You and why also... is this chicken nugget standing in sauce? It, <laughs> speaking of cannibalism. You should also look up um, the pizza and his mom because that one's a real mind fuck. <laughs> John, are you look? Are you looking at pictures of this shit? Like, I this am crazy. This, this is this is crazy. <laughs> I, okay, I'm looking at a steak. What do they eat in the show? Um, I don't know. They eat food. Like, there's, a, there's some pictures of them in restaurants, but I don't yeah. know what they're eating. I, food, I <laughs> okay, guess. Here's here's. Oh, you know, pizza! Every man. time I think I'm a you creative person, I'm I'm surprised by something, and this is one of the. I'm like, yeah, I, I, like h- how do you come up with this? Whether it's substances <laughs> or any sort of performing enhance of creativity aids, <laughs> but it was like I don't think I'd ever be creative enough to come up with something like this. Yeah, apple and onion. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's definitely got to be like that creative dartboard, right? We threw things at the wall, and somehow <laughs> apple and onion showed up, and like. I'm at the type of mind where if like if somebody makes a suggestion, I can find some way in my head to make it work. So if someone said to me a show about an apple and an onion, or if like we said, what do we want the story to be about? And there was just like a board of everything, and somehow darts landed on apple, and a dart landed on onion. I would probably come up with something. It probably wouldn't be this, 
but at the same time, <laughs> it's like everything's got to. You would imagine that, like, like I was looking at this and I was going to say this. This is like um, Adventure Time on drugs, which is crazy to say because that show's already <laughs> on drugs. Yeah, it's not it's crazier wild. than Adventure Time. It's kind of more. If anything, it's like more grounded in reality, but it's like just you. you it's have an, to watch no. It. Wait, hold on a second. Stop. Adventure Time has people in it, so the dog talks. Mm -hmm. This is the main character is an apple and an onion. Mm -hmm. They're not even in the same food drawer, like let alone buddy buddy walking down the street. Just because you're not in the same unusual. food drawer, Jason, doesn't mean you can't be best friends. Okay, that's a good point. <laughs> you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. You're being incredibly prejudiced. Hey, well, I don't, yeah. All right. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. That's that's bad news. Fruits and vegetables can be friends. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> this this is a am I am I looking am I looking at like a chicken wing, a chicken, a drumstick? Like this bone is coming out like very provocatively. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah. Don't overthink it. Just go with it. Cool. Well, at least I found the cover image for this uh, episode. That yeah. makes life easy. And listen, so if you're feeling anxious and having existential doubt, just put this show on and you'll feel better. And that's the point of media therapy, is it not? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So I, I, I do so. want to I do want to talk about before ending before ending this episode. I want to talk about Married at First Sight. Yes. Yes. Oh, so, okay. Here we go. So, Should I leave? Jason, you might be alienated so from this, excited. but first of all, I'm going to give my <laughs> I'm going to give my general thoughts. Now, again, I haven't watched many episodes. Me and Alice, we've been look. 90 Day Fiance is my jam. That's my show. Okay. okay, it's hard because the this season that's going on now with Big Ed is it keeps getting better. It's more amazing. It's like 90 <laughs> yeah, Day how, Fiance how they is, doing? By the way, that, 90 Day Fiance is my. That's the that is the one reality show. That I will very proudly at this point admit that I watch because it's amazing. Every episode gets more and more amazing um, <laughs> because you got this one dude who's been because like this is this show this before the ninety days is before they actually start that process. This is like trying to vet out whether or not they want to go through this ninety day fiance visa. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just basically like Americans going to like third world countries trying to find and it's just it's it's amazing to watch one how entitled Americans generally are. And two, how they're surprised. Like, I can't believe she just wants me for my money. And then you go to her home and like, she doesn't have any walls. <laughs> and it's like, you think I'd want to come to America and marry you too, Ed. <laughs> so like, that's just what the premise of the show is. Right. So, so married at first sight, I'm watching season nine. We've started season nine. I can watch it online. So good. And so I've got, so, so Jason, to give you the premise of this show, right. There's basically four couples and at the beginning of the show, me and me and Alice watched like the episode zero, which was sort of like, here's the process, right? So they have like a psychiatrist and a, and I think he's a minister. Mm -hmm. guy, I think he's a minister. Pastor Cal. Um, mm -hmm. Pastor. Yep. So you have these, you have these professionals who are basically <laughs> saying, look, we're going to get you in a room and we're going to have all these discussions and we're going to go through this extreme vetting process to say that scientifically, you know, spiritually, psychologically, we can find the perfect match for you. 
right? So that's the premise of the show, which I didn't know, right? I thought it was more of like, let's just put random people in a room and see see them fight. Oh but no, it's much more least, scientific. <laughs> yeah, at least it's at least it's perceived to be that way, right? Like whether it is or not, whether or not you have some producer who's sitting there in a room who's just like, no, 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 put them together. This is going to be great to watch, right? Which I'm sure happens. But they at least give you the idea that they're going to put this matchmaking process together of saying, look, no, we're not just doing this to just make reality TV. We believe that we can come up with a scientific process that says this is the person that you're supposed to be with. So that's the premise of the show. So there's four couples, and I wrote their names down. There's Iris and Keith. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So Keith is a is a is like a coach, right? He's like a mentor to young people. He's a black guy, good looking black guy. And Iris, who I'm not exactly sure what she does, but she has like an office job. And she is also a young black woman. They're both around the same age. And that's the first couple. Second couple is Beth and Jamie. So Jamie, now look, I've only watched a couple episodes. And I can already see Jamie's going to be a problem. And Beth, because Beth, I mean, both of those two, those are two amazing human beings. Um, (laughs) Beth works for dad. She's basically working like she's a daddy's girl. And her, da- and her dad's like, well, the guy who's going to marry you, are you sure you want to do this? Because I don't, he's kind of like hinting to us of like, I know my daughter's crazy. And I can't believe that this is the process she went to. This poor dude, does he know what he's getting into? Like that's sort of the <laughs> wink and the nod at the thing. But like, I know she's nuts. This poor dude, does I'm he know up, that uh, she's. I'm looking yeah. up images at these. Oh, get yeah. ready. So then after, <laughs> so after that couple, there's Deanna and Greg. And for me, these two, from what I've watched so far, seem to have the best chance out of everyone mm-hmm. because they at least seem they've got very similar religious ideals. Um, they've got sort of similar family dynamics. I mean, Deanna's dad at one point was, I mean, he, I was like, okay, I, I feel like I know this guy. I feel like I've met her dad at some point in my life. Yeah. Um, so like, they just seem like they're the most grounded. And again, I'm sure they'll have their issues, but to me, out of these four couples, these two seem to have the best chance. And then there's Amber and Matt. And the thing about Amber and Matt is that Matt is a giant. <laughs> He's a giant human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's very small. And so just when you look at it, it's just like there's a major difference. And the fact that Matt seems to be hiding some serious issues with his family, <laughs> like yes. serious issues with his family that I think will absolutely implode this thing because she's going to start digging into this and he is going to crumble um, because he doesn't want to talk about this. His family wasn't at this wedding. His family was no part of this. Um, her family and her sister that looks exactly like her, like they, she has her whole family unit and he was just sort of like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. And everyone's looking around like, where's his parents? Where's anybody from his family? He's got friends, mm-hmm. but where's his family? Yeah. She's so, an identical twin. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So she, yeah, that's why she looks exactly like her because she's her twin. Um, so anyways, look, I, the show's good. Now I'm biased because 90 feet, 90 day fiance is really good. This show, it's it's a bit too what's the it's a bit too slow, at least so far. The first couple episodes I've watched, I'm waiting for it for sort of the because again, the marriage part of it is kind of inconsequential to me, right? Like because you know because you know they're going to get married. If they walk off and don't get married, there's no show, right? So you know the wedding is going to happen, and the first two episodes at least are so much around the guys get together and talk to each other, the women get together and talk to which I thought was interesting actually of these two groups of people knowing each other. And they didn't um, used that, to do that actually in the earlier seasons. It was like very, very separate. Each couple was kind of an island to their own, you know, devices. And in the later seasons is when they started putting together 
um, all of the singles before they get married and like the, you know, the guys and the girls um, and they get some time to like get to know each other. And they actually do like, um, they like hang out together as couples as well. Like you'll see later in the season and that's built into the structure of the show now, but in the earlier, I think the first three seasons, maybe the first four like for a bunch of seasons, they didn't do that. And I kind of have mixed feelings about like that addition to the show. Like because I think- it sort of taints it sort of taints because that you get you now have three other people to compare yourselves to. Because right. they immediately started talking about intimacy. <clears throat> this is before they even got to meet these other their couple, right? Their right. their other half. They start having these discussions. You find out, oh, Iris is still a virgin. You find out all of these other things about these human beings that then you start to compare yourself to because they're in the same exact situation that you're in. And to me, that just sort of creates more conflict because this is such an oddity of you marrying someone that you've never met before. The only four, the only three people who have an experience like this. Are, are these people so you start to compare notes and that alone you come back and say well so-and-so's doing this like that doesn't seem that seems to taint the experiment a bit for me yeah well it would be interesting um if you are are like hooked enough by this show it'd be interesting to have you like watch season nine and then watch an earlier season before they do this and see how, like what your opinion is because for me, having watched like almost all of the seasons, um, at first when they started putting together um, the couples, I thought it was kind of good because they have a support system that they didn't otherwise have in previous seasons. Um, but there are positives and negatives. I think on the one hand, like because no one else is having this experience and you have access to a handful of people who are, um, sometimes you can see it ground the individuals kind of in, in terms of like, um, I don't know, like being able to compare notes and actually comfort one another or something like that, as opposed to like when they're talking to a friend or a family member um, outside of this process about whatever's going on in their brand new marriage to a stranger, like the advice coming from those people is not necessarily going to be as helpful because it's such a completely different experience on the other hand i think you're right that in some cases there's too much comparing like well they're doing this and i'm not so it's honestly yeah i don't know it's um it's it's hard to say like which which thing like which scenario is more positive for the individuals involved and then the other thing that they changed in later seasons is in earlier seasons, not only were the couples left completely to their own devices in terms of not having contact with the other couples from that season, but they also had to figure out their own housing after the honeymoon. And now, yeah, now the producer has actually set them all up with apartments in the same housing complex. And I think this is only, I think season nine might have been the first or second season that they did that. Interesting, because in talking, 
talking to people, I talked to someone else that I work with, and she watches the Australian show, and that's oh. what they do on the Australian show. Uh-huh. And apparently the Australian show is a complete train wreck, that it's amazing. <laughs> um, that the people on the Australian show are like caricatures of real human beings, and oh, it's no. nuts. Um, so yeah, so anyways, yeah, like that's, yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's interesting enough. I'm interested in a few of these groups. Again, unfortunately for me, it's just not as interesting as 90 Day Fiance because you just get these all different different american groups you get these country people these cities people so as soon as we're finished with the 90 day fiance stuff which only has a couple episodes left we're gonna jump back into this okay um because it's interesting it's just the first episodes were a little slow compared to the 90 day fiance train wreck when you got some woman from the middle of pennsylvania who's in her 50s going to nigeria to meet some african dude in his 30s and the first thing that he notices is like oh she's got a bit of a belly and then, you know, next thing you know, you have these discussions, which are amazing <laughs> because yes. you're just like, wow, these are like, what is she? Does she really think that this dude who's 31 and he's a rapper who calls himself Soldier Boy is really <laughs> interested in a 54 year old white woman from York, Pennsylvania? And you're trying to figure out, like, how did you even get yourself in this situation where you're buying a goat for his mother? Right. like like, right like i don't think anything can compare to that so it's not fair married at first sight has its own its own interesting dynamics that i'll get into so i'm in i'm gonna watch it um if i was gonna make a prediction because you already know yeah and if you're a watcher of the show you probably already know this as well i'm gonna say i also looked it up so i know too that diana and greg make it Mm -hmm. and i think the other three there's no way in hell that beth and jamie are staying together that's not happening (laughs) like jamie's a lot um uh, or sorry beth is a lot and jamie doesn't help because he's got a bit of that arrogant he thinks he's much he thinks he's much better looking than he is yeah um and i think the virginity thing is going to just be stuck in iris's head and keith's not going to be able to put up with that um he's going to be understanding at first and then she's going to make such a big deal in production out of this thing that he's just going to get tired of it Mm. and amber and matt his family this whole family thing she's going to start digging in too far and he's not going to like it so yeah. I think those three fall apart, and I'm rooting for Dion and Greg because I think, like, if you look at them, you go, I could see these two meeting at a church group and being happily married for the next 40 years. Yeah. Predictions. All right. No spoilers. I've, I've, noticed, I've no spoilers. noted your predictions, and uh, we'll see whether they come true or not. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch, right, and, and then already, uh, we'll and have I to check know. in. Over the, yeah, you already know because you're not going to watch this anyways. But look, I mean, no, I suggest I, it up. I suggest anyone watch 90 Day Fiance. It is amazing. Every week it surprises me with more and more amazing nonsense. Um, yeah, I want to know where they find these guys. If these guys are as crazy as they are to put on the show, you imagine what the people are like that they didn't put on the show, right? For 90 yeah. Day? Like, you think there's anybody who's like, mm, too crazy? Yeah. Yeah, there has to be. There's got to be. They and again, a lot of it is more people around and only choose what to air after everything's all. Well, it's said also and done. very clear that they now have people stationed in some of these countries because, unfortunately, the countries that they're going to, there is a pattern of the Philippines, of Ukraine, Russia, uh, Thailand. Like, there's a pattern of people finding these people who are sort of in third world disenfranchised countries who either are trying to get to the U.S. because they really love these people or they're trying to get to the U.S. because it's the U.S., right? Um, but it's interesting because this season has a, they've got a, a lesbian couple, one's in Australia and one's in the U.S. And just like being down here in this part of the country, you're just like, this isn't a third world country. What does she think? Like, it's Australia. Like, <laughs> Australia's a normal, the norm- but again, it's just that mindset of never having left, you know, Connecticut 
And then I'm traveling all the way to Australia to meet this woman that I've only met online. And then she gets there. She makes such a big deal about all these things. And you're just like, this is, they're in Melbourne. Like that's, that's a giant city. Like that's a giant modern city. Oh, he's, she's going to Sydney. Sydney is one of the biggest cities in the world. And yet it's this out of this fish out of water experience because she's never left, you know, Yonkers. Um, so yeah, it's just, it, yeah, it's just interesting. Um, and it's interesting more just because it's, it's more reality TV nonsense where this, at least the way that they posed it, I, I appreciate it for them kind of saying like, look, we know that this sounds a little silly, but here's the premise of why we're trying to do this. And this is why these people are interested in this process is because they really believe that if you actually put math and science and psychology and religion and all of these things that make human beings human, if you put all those things together and come up with a metric system, can you find someone mm-hmm. who has enough things similar and enough things different as well? Because you need both. Do you Can you find someone that's got enough of that match where you can sort of – this process can be made for you instead of going through weddings and you know finding out this didn't work or going through a bunch of relationships? And for a lot of people, it's a waste of time. It's all of that that gets brought up into it, which is interesting. It's an interesting discussion. Yeah, and I think – I mean – I, there are certain kinds of reality TV that I really like, but, you know, I think that in listening to you talk about 90 Day Fiance, I think I've realized that the reason that I like maths and I don't like um, 90 Day Fiance that much is because so many of the couples on 90 Day, it's like you can see so clearly how someone is being manipulated or exploited and Absolutely. how it's like not a real like love situation. And I think like I am enough of a romantic that I buy into the idea of married at first sight because I think not because I believe in falling in love at first sight, but because I believe in what and Pastor Cal talks about this on the show a lot about growing in love and the idea that you like set an intention to build um, a relationship with someone and to love that person obviously you can't force yourself to love someone that you, you know, that it's not going to work with. But at the same time, like if the potential is there, then you actually have the ability to make it work or fuck it up. And you see that happen on the show all the time where you can see as an objective viewer, like how compatible these people are. And then you see the communication completely break down and you're like, no, you know, or you see them figure it out and you're like, yes, like all you needed to do was decide that this is what you were gonna work toward, you know, and like be open to it in a way that for whatever reason, like you weren't able to be before and i personally really like that look it feels like it's a lot it's it's not as exploitative if that's a word yeah um as 90 day fiance is which is completely these people sort of egging them on like you can sort of tell that there's so much production around 90 day fiance to make it this where it's very clear that someone in this relationship is getting you know sort of the short end of this either they're like you said they're getting taken advantage of or it's an older woman getting taken advantage from a young guy or the opposite if it's an older guy who's getting taken advantage of a young woman or even the or you know an old guy taking advantage of a young girl Mm -hmm. who's you know in this really poor desolate area and just wants to make a better life for herself it's definitely more of that where 
it just took me by surprise because I didn't realize that there was all of sort of the science and that stuff around it, which to me at least made it feel like a bit more wholesome. But let me watch because I do want to watch some of this start to fall apart as it always will. And that will at least for me as being a bit more cynical in all of this (laughs) says, ah, you know, there's some producer, some guy with a, you know, with a headset in a, in a walkie talkie who's like, yeah, yeah, you guys just had an argument. Go ask him about this. Like that mm-hmm. type of stuff that you know happens on shows. But this, at least from the beginning, felt a bit more like, hey, look, we're trying to see if whether or not we can actually make this process work to maybe teach you something about how do relationships work. That is what the show is about. How does a relationship with anyone that you've just met work? And this, we're putting you to the ultimate end step for most people, which is marriage. We're starting with that. That's out of the way. Can you now make this work going forward? Um, so yeah, I think it's a bit more where Night Day Fiance is just it's a dumpster fire and it's great. <laughs> so. Right. So yeah, um, to give you an update on my island, so we can close this out. Island's going good. Yeah. Uh, we found out that you can only build eight inclines or declines, which is weird, a travesty, and it has taken aback some of our plans. We had lots of inclines and ramps and all these things sort of beautifully designed, and you can only have eight. You can only have eight bridges as well. Why? Um, it's, I don't know. That's a great question. I'm not sure whether or not it's a loading thing or what. I don't really get it, to be honest. Um, it's a sometimes decision that the developer and made. That's, and that's the weird. Yeah. It's just the kind of compromises you have to make sometimes. Yeah. So again, who knows? And again, I'm a bit more, Alice was not happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more, a lot more curse words. And I was just like, look, as a, someone who develops off, she's like, I don't, it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, but you know, you don't know what the code underneath here is doing um yeah so it's may there's new fish to catch uh the 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 shop is upgraded the museum's upgraded everything's upgraded so the hard work of the island is done for the most part it's now just about sort of getting money and making my house look good which i put off right i put all my money into building ramps and bridges and building rivers and lakes and an orchard and a bit of a fort like i did we did all this planning the money went into the town first for the for, for the animals and now the now the money's coming back into the house um, so honestly, like, look, I mean, I've this, I think this really saved quarantine for us <laughs> because <laughs> Allison doesn't, Alice doesn't play video games, doesn't play video games and she loves this game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it gave all of us a, something to do like a project when ideally you would have liked some time to prepare to say, I'm going to do this really difficult project thing that I can spend some time with, but it just came in the form of a video game. So for the most part, a lot of the hard work's done. I'm now at the point where I maybe play a bit like again we were planting flowers and stuff yesterday but honestly i play for an hour or so a night and then i'm kind of done because i'm like yeah okay i did most of what i need to do when i'm finished which is where i would be on a game like this right you play for a little bit every couple days a week um and it's not something that you need to feel like you need to grind to beat because you never really beat the game Hmm. um so i'm actually looking forward to some of the games that still seem like they're coming out like last of us is supposed to be coming out on my birthday um so i'm looking forward to that i'm looking forward to XCOM that comes out end of may so there's other games that i find that are coming out so we'll see what happens with animal crossing the good thing is they keep updating it with new stuff which is cool um so yeah, yeah so the hard work of the that. island's kind of done cool well if you're if you're interested in that and you want some animal crossing news um this is kind of funny one of the me one of the guys who i follow on social media and he's actually the writer of rogue one he started um he uh, started an Animal Crossing talk show, so he built a uh, he built a talk show set in his uh, 
on his island and people can visit the island, I guess, and they show up on this couch that he set up and it's called Animal Talking. So if you go to <laughs> twitch.tv slash Gary Witta, you'll see, you could see what's there. It's also on his YouTube channel as well. Uh, and his, and the bandmate that he has is a developer of uh, Missile Command Recharged, who, who I work with, Adam Nickerson. So it's kind of cool to see all this stuff happening in real time and getting huh. his reactions. So. Cool. Um, but it's an interesting cool. thing being done in Animal Crossing. And following the Twitter conversations that are happening is uh, is fascinating because you got people like, um, I mean, Reggie uh, from Nintendo, the or formerly of Nintendo. Uh, he he actually sent a message on Twitter. It's like, oh, I'd love to know more about this. Uh, send me a DM. And it's like, oh my God. So this thing just kind of blew up in the last week. Uh, which is kind of fascinating. So check Look, it out. This, this game, this game is like the not. It's like the, this game came out at the perfect time because it's really like a non-gamers game. There's a lot of people playing this game who wouldn't consider themselves video game players. Hmm. Um, and so it's just very you interesting. Know why, don't that, you? why is that? Because of Chrissy, Chrissy Teigen. Teigen. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. He, and that's he, the end. That the is game. the end. That yeah. is the exactly. That's why. And this podcast has come full circle. <laughs> um, Arlen, thank you for joining. Thank again, you again, as me. always. Um, yeah, check us out. He's abroad.com. Uh, rate us positively, preferably on iTunes and any other podcast service. You can do that. Tell your friends about it. Tell your family about it. Just like put up some sticky notes on your window that spells out. He's abroad podcast so that people know what it is. That means. And right then maybe that'll help generate some addition. Exactly. Exactly. Birds aren't real. Um, this podcast may not be real, but this podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs>